You are listening to the Heart of Tradition podcast. Truth seekers, once again, let's do it. We're talking about natural immunity. Um, I think this is kind of a no-brainer for a lot of people. There's so much propaganda today that even the word natural immunity has become controversial. And even if you say that humanity's survived this long without, no, 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 you go into any argument, it's automatically taken as a sort of, uh, like you're going into some sort of conspirational topic on human history. I guess studying the Civil War or any other kind of war in the history of the world is probably conspirational at this point, too. But I will say one thing about natural immunity is like you either have natural immunity or you have medical slavery. So because those stark terms are there and there's only those two realities and it's not black or white thinking, it's the fallacy of our concepts that are getting muddled to where we come up with these, this, you know, second choice, which is not really a choice. So you think it's black and white because I'm just saying A or B. But what I'm saying is that B is a logical fallacy. And so therefore it's not just A or B, it's A or fake B. So if we put back the real B, (laughs) then you could call me, you know, black and white. Um, But so... The logical fall I mean the the fallacy that we're speaking of is you know the medical slavery because that is basically based on proximity it's based on government it's based on tyranny it's based on eroding of freedom it's based on the, the capture of all of our regulatory agencies um, and it's based on a whole other paradigm of blackmail and bribery and fake news and fake studies and you know there's there's so many even high level people in the scientific world now that are saying 50% of the studies we read are false meaning not that the whole study's false but that some of the summaries some of the points made some of the motives have created uh, even how the peers review these things i mean who are the peers and everything else comes together to create like a cartelism, a kind of, oh, it's almost like becomes overly rigid, you know, it's overly organized and thinking that because it's overly organized, it has some sort of authority. But the truth is, is that the authority, at least at the spiritual level, which comes through the material, um, works better in structures which are not as rigid and structures where there can be a well-distributed executive that can move and breathe and, you know, but these kind of overly rigid authoritarian structures that we have in the CDC and FDA and all the other letters, the alphabet soup we're in, um, these are all kind of, you know, soulless entities that are basically parasiting through regulation and taxation or whatever it is. They're parasiting our own natural abundance and our natural immunity. So that's their job. Their job is to siphon away the fruits of our labor somehow and make all the bees angry. And um, 
So the topic is basically just a philosophical one. Um, there's a lot of people on the anti-vax movement. And the sad thing about this is that some of that movement is also being co-opted by some of these forces. Of course, you know, every like Walmart or every big company looks better if they have organic foods in their store. So everybody throws that in, of course. And so saving face, you could say, you know, it puts lipstick on the pig or whatever you want to call it. I'm not saying Walmart's a pig. I'm not going there. I'm not, I don't hate all businesses and like I shop in them and I, you know, like I, I don't, I don't hate my cell phone because there's a company behind it that's worldwide. And do you know what I mean? Like, but I do try to find the right boundaries with how to use these things and not become their slave, but to master them. And so, um, you know, this, this medical slavery paradigm takes us from our own individual freedom into, um, the dictates of something much further away from us. And it's kind of like pours us into the collective, you know, to thine own self be true becomes to thine own group or click or whatever it is, be true. And that doesn't work. That does not lead to freedom. Freedom is very individual and not individual against others, but individual coming back together in community. The combination of that reality is thousands of freedoms not thousands of, you know, hive mind, you know, groupthink. So this co-op or whatever you want to call it, this interception, this capture of even not just our regulatory agencies, which a lot of people could agree with on both sides of the political spectrum, but even going into like, um, you know, the pro-vax, anti-vax movement, and seeing that a lot of actors here are also being funded by well, sometimes well hidden or, uh, you know, through charities and trusts and other ways that there's a to, way to contribute these monies. But so you see them involved in um, trying to finance some of the anti-vax movement. Um, Gilead comes to mind. You know, they had a famous lawsuit. I think Trump sued them at some point, but um, although he was for them at another point, I don't know what that was all about. And I'm not really, that's not really part of this conversation, but I'm just thinking of headlines that I've seen with Gilead. <laughs> and then, of course, they were well known for Rem, Remdesmavir. Oh, wait, Remdesmavir. I think that's what it's called, Remdesmavir. So this, this like really toxic medicine that was forced onto everyone during COVID. Well, apparently this goes back to 2009 remdesivir and uh, had been building itself up, you know, from, from initial African um, orientation on certain things happening there and then, you know, repurposed for HIV and other things and then repurposed for COVID and, so, so Gilead was behind that snake or whatever you want to call it. That's that venom or whatever, that snakey drug that cost a fortune and that was killing everybody instead of like ivermectin, for example, which kills nobody and whatever. So, um, but so, you know, Gilead, um, 
is one company that you know you'll see investors investing in these companies and then these same investors will go off and invest in other ventures that seem to be positive the ones you like where you're like wow these people are totally anti-vax totally pro-freedom now the goal of this podcast is not to make everybody just run and say what's the point let's just all give up because that wouldn't work the point is more to not have false hope and to realize that the actions that need to be taken um should not be shaped by those worlds those worlds are trying to shape us into a therapeutic homeopathic gene therapy type of softer, less toxic, uh, better, smoother, more improved, more luciferic in that sense. Like what I mean is well hidden, like very sneaky version of medical proximity. So instead of having us bolt and pull out of the medical proximity, which is what we should do, with the lessons of COVID on our back, we should convert all that into fuck the doctors, fuck all medicine, like goodbye. And that doesn't mean, of course, all medicine. There's going to be parts of medicine which are still healthy, but it needs to be like a full reversal of the way we interface with this whole reality. And so much, like I'd say about 80% of the authority to doctors needs to be removed. And not because... I mean, unless they're a really good doctor. But in general, most of the doctors and the drug dealers of the modern world, which they're forced to be, and they're even choked, you know, legally if they don't, um, you know, prescribe this, that, and the other in this exact case and whatever. Like, um, so we have sympathy there, but that authority there needs to be dropped. And so that's what needs to happen, not more medical proximity through more therapeutic sounding names of what we need to do for our inoculation schedule that's just totally a better version. You know, that's not it. Safe and effective or even safe vaccines or even vaccine safety or hesitancy or even sometimes even uh, vaccine choice or um, informed consent. All of these things sound good. But for me, they don't go far enough. They don't, and, and, and you say, well, people aren't there yet. Look at all these people who took the vax. It's not true. They found out that 70%, up to 70%, and this was, I think, with even CDC numbers. I mean, the numbers you can find on the high wire. But 70% of, and I'm not saying the high wire is perfect either, by the way. But like, I, I can use them for the numbers. You know, I study all of these entities and I figure out where their funding is and I never find a perfect match. But um, 70% of the people who got the boosters, I mean, who got the two shots, the two vaccine shots, they didn't get the boosters. They still haven't. So that means a big majority of the people who were totally convinced are not as convinced on this part. And so we are seeing a reversal. And in that type of reversal, that type of V-shape where things go from one thing to a total different thing, that is the point that we cannot lose. That's the most valuable thing we have is that V. And so if we get inside that V and shape people towards therapeutics, we're in trouble. 
And I don't say that a lot of people are doing that. I think a lot of people are just totally, especially personally, of course, in their personal life, that's different. Personal life, people will not vax. They won't do this. They won't, you know, they won't. But even in their public life, which can ruin their career. So you're right. You can't just ask people to ruin their career if you won't ruin yours. But at the same time, that debate about the whole vaccine myth and the vaccine illusion and the whole idea that we need vaccines at all compared to therapeutics and other modalities. And, you know, <clears throat> just because we gave uh, doctors all of this authority to eradicate disease and stuff instead of being, you know, um, listening to nature and understanding that through the older system of medicine, the powers of observation, and they've become more like, you know, drug based solvers of our enigmas um before that you know we're realizing now that 95 percent of the vaccines if you study this closely you got to go to like you know maybe weston price website and they're not perfect either they got all sorts of other stuff too but they, they, they have a lot of good stuff too and you know and you find like sites on vaccines you can find tons of sites there on vaccines and because you can't find anything on the search engines anymore you have to go directly to these websites and, um, you know, you'll find charts and graphs that show that 95% of vaccines were um, the solution. The vaccine was given in 95% of epidemics that we've had from diphtheria to, to polio to, you know, there's, there's about 10 or 15 of them in there. Um, the vaccines were always given a year to five years after the natural decline of the bell curve, um, or wait, it's not a bell curve. What do you call that? I guess it's just a natural, like, um, I don't, I, I'm actually not good with the names of curves, but the downward slope of the curve where the decline begins of the disease, which you could call the declining phase of the curve. When that had already been well underway by natural immunity, the vaccine is introduced then. 95% of vaccines. Smallpox has some exceptions to it because it wasn't a true vaccine in that sense. Even though the word vaccine comes from the word cow, which means smallpox, cowpox, and you know the origins of that. But that vaccine was, was used through human powers of observation in seeing how, you know, milkmaids and I guess certain people were not catching these sicknesses. And, um, and there was a lot of media blitzkrieg and a lot of exaggeration around, you know, what would happen. And that was pushed to the T as well in its era, just like COVID was in ours, but they didn't inject these. They found, you know, they were able to use Drivax or whatever, and take these little cells of the not the pus, but the area, you know, where they would produce uh, the cells, like the cow would produce the cells, and then they would take these cells and create like a dry, um, almost if you were taking scabs and you were able to like, like dry scab powder and, and use that. I mean, that was how basic this was at, at the very beginning. That was the very beginning that of seeing that cure. So this was a high level of human observation a somewhat God-oriented observation where people were able to see something and figure it out. Smart. 
Now, does that mean we run the whole gamut with that and become this whole vaccinated world where, you know, we're all sick and dying more and more and more and we don't see that there might be a connection with allergies to everything under the sun and most of those things under the sun are actually in the vaccines from peanut oil to like, you know, albumin and, and you know, be like, you know, bovine serums and anything, you know, so then we get more allergic to everything from meat to milk to peanuts to, you know, and so this is all in this, you know, there's a lot of soup here. And so we've let ourselves be fooled. And the wake up is not the wake up into therapeutics. It's not the wake up into keeping the same proximity with doctors, but making sure we get good, healthy things. The, the wake up is a total reversal of the way we interface with authority and doctors in general, and even risk. And you're like, well, you're asking too much. You're asking way too much. No one's ever going to just do those reversals. But we're already seeing that people are ready to hear the truth if the truth could be put forward. If the truth was put forward by more people, then people would start listening to it. And not everyone would. But the 50% of the population, up to 70% possibly, that are open to it in America... That's a high percentage of people that could totally be converted. Even if it was 20%, it could have disastrous effects in a good sense. Um, But, you know, 50% of the people to start hearing the truth of this and the truth of the no vaccine, the truth of the illusion of the whole thing and break through this paradigm and see the darkness for what it is and call a spade a spade. This is what we're trying to protect them from by saying they're not ready. Maybe we're not ready. Maybe the person listening is not ready. And so we have to be ready first. And then once we're ready, then that can spread. We have to face this shit. So once we face it, you know, Rudolf Steiner, like this, I guess, like lucid philosopher, scientific mystic, I I guess, I don't know what you would call him exactly. There's a lot of words, um, but he had an uncanny ability to see things clearly. And, um, you know, he said that humanity can't find their essence or true self or Christ or whatever that energy inside until they face the beast. And so the longer we delay this whole facing part, the more disastrous and and drawn out the pain. So it's up to us, you know? Anyway, that was a different podcast, but I do feel like we have to get away from it because it's medical slavery or natural immunity. You only have two choices. And that doesn't mean you can't enhance with therapeutics and you can't find other things but those things will be will come through in a way which is not, you know, when you study ivermectin and you study remdesivir or whatever it's called, desivir, um, you realize the differences between one which is, you know, made in such an expensive and highly, like, toxic using cyanide and just like these ways they make it is just like so intense. And then you have ivermectin, which is made very simply and worldwide and available and cheap and it doesn't hurt anyone. And you can overdose and it still doesn't hurt anyone. And 
you know, it's like, where, where is your epistemology now? Where is your scientific thinking on not how complex and, 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 and black magic-y or technological something is, but how simple and beautiful something is, which heals so many people, you know, and cheap and effective. And, you know, it's almost like the, it's like a vegan trying to look for B12 in everything under the sun. But if they would just have one little piece of red meat or one little, like, you know, I don't know, liver pate or, or something, the whole deficiency would start to fade right there. And so, yeah, you can spend years and energy and waste the world's time screaming out in the universe to try to overcome that deficiency, or you can realize that there was a very readily available approach and that the gods are smiling at you. Anyway, that's about it.